Lovely to have you. Tell us your name, your job title, what you do for us at TalkTalk. So my name is Kelly Lee and I work under Ruth Kennedy in the sales and marketing department as the sales optimization specialist. Um, I'm a support function for sales and marketing, but I also lead the PECON team and I'm a one voice rep. You're also a mum though, I guess the most important job in your life. Number one, m- number one job, mum. Tell us about you and your son. So... I have two children, um, the 15 months apart, Leighton came first and my sister Evelyn came 15 months later and Leighton was such a hilarious baby in that he had so many temper tantrums over the, the, the littlest things and he is like chalk and cheese with his sister, you couldn't get two polar opposites, um, completely different and you have your typical sibling rivalry that you would normally have but there's also the added element of now the the diagnosis of autism which has been a challenge and a long battle to fight. So tell us how that came about as I understand it Kelly there were some issues that you were you were observing and some behaviors over quite a long period of time that maybe didn't make any sense and you had question marks over when 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 does this story start? I I didn't really have that many friends with little babies, um, so I didn't really have that that guidance, I guess, and no one gives you the manual on how to be a parent. Um, I guess little things started to to be noticed when he was attracted to the colour orange, so he would go in a ball pit and just pick the orange balls. Um, He had an orange bowl and he wouldn't eat out of any other bowls, Uh, orange cups, orange carrot in the, 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 the toy kitchen, really tiny, tiny, minute things that didn't really pop out as strange. He was really clever. He was ahead with all of his milestones, um, walking, crawling, talking, feeding himself. Um, Very early on, his concentration was just amazing, but you couldn't interrupt him. You couldn't play with him and he couldn't play by himself. You had to engage with him and play with him and he struggled with his imagination and I think this was more apparent when his sister came along because she has the most incredible imagination and she used to play with him but lead him and tell him what to do and what to say so he copied and mimicked her a lot and I think that's when it really stood out when he went into nursery and it was picked up then by his first teacher who actually made the referral to the children's mental health services he was three then that's quite a while ago no Yes, well... I mean, eight, eight years? Eight years? Have, have I got yeah. that wrong? Yeah, so he had assessments and they said that he was really bright. They could see that he was really intelligent, but emotionally he was really behind and that he was probably really frustrated and that was what was causing him to have OCD tendencies. Um, in time, he would emotionally mature um, and things would settle and that's what they told us. Um, it was probably 12 months after the start of the assessment. So when he was four, they said, nothing to worry about. He'll be fine as he matures. Um, and he didn't. He he got worse and his mental health started to dip at that point. And that was really noticeable when he was in year two at primary school. So he would have been six or seven. I asked for another referral to the Children's Mental Health Services and it was declined because the school felt as though he was academically really bright and he was very well behaved in school. So they didn't see any issues. So we had to go to the GP and ask the GP to refer him to the mental health services, which they did. Um, Quite a long waiting list, but, but he did get seen when he was at the end of year three. 
So bearing in mind it was year two when we asked for the referral. Very minimal assessments. They saw him and said, actually, uh, even though he he's ticking quite a few boxes for autism, your school don't think he's presenting any of those sort of characteristics. Um, so we think it's more likely to be mental health and generalized anxiety disorder. That was pre-pandemic. So you can imagine how his mental health declined over the course of, of the last two years because of the pandemic. Did he need you a lot to be around? He likes routine. He likes structure. He likes to, he loves to learn. He absolutely loves to learn. And, you know, we were both myself and my husband both worked for Talk Talk. We were incredibly busy and we had to juggle homeschooling, which is a challenge for me because I'm also neurodiverse. I am dyslexic. I have dyscalculia. I'm dyspraxic. I really struggle with, with certain things. So I found that a challenge and none of the schools were prepared for homeschooling at the start of lockdown. So there really wasn't much guidance. So I think it was just a challenge trying to balance it. You know, he took COVID very seriously um, and he was very literal. So it was on the news. It, it was everywhere. You know, for him, he because he's very bright, he's he's a child, he's a carrier, he's asymptomatic. He knew what all these words meant. So he then sort of, he interpreted it as if I touch somebody, I could kill them. Because that's what the news and the media you know, that was the that was his interpretation as well. That was that, that was his. Oh, absolutely. Because he's very black and white, very literal. And because he was hearing those words and he's, he also has catastrophic thinking. So he goes to worst case scenario immediately. So for a really long time, he struggled with contact and seeing people. And he has a very close bond with his grandparents, his, his grandfather in particular. And that was a, a real challenge for him because he just he just wanted to be with him and he couldn't. And that really affected his mental health. So all the time you're sitting there as a, someone with challenges and yourself, you know, sitting at home with your work to do, working out how you're going to try and teach your kid, but also keep them mentally stable and secure. Tough times. And I guess at the back of your mind, there was always been this thought that you thought that there was a, a condition, a condition that was underlying. So what actually led you and what allowed you to sort of push to get eight years later over the line, what what happened? His mental health declined dramatically when he went back to school last September. He's in year six, final year. He's missed so much of school. They're playing catch up. It's a chaotic and crazy year anyway in primary school. It's very intense. And you can imagine how intense it is now trying to play catch up with all of the pupils. And just that intensity just seemed to heighten his anxiety. The chaos of the classroom, the speed of going from one subject to another, and the noise of the classroom as well. It was a smaller classroom. It was all new to him. And he just he just really struggled. And we we received a call from the welfare teacher at the school to say that he'd confided in her about not wanting to be here anymore and that he'd tried to research on ways to get himself out of the situation. But he felt as though that was the only way out of feeling the way that he was feeling as if he wasn't he wasn't here anymore. Um, so, so then you knew, then you knew enough, enough, enough was enough. Enough was enough. We contacted the GP. We told them what was happening. He was then identified as a child in crisis. The GP had to refer him back to CAMS again, which would have been the third time, but we were told the waiting list was 
five months. And we were told that even though he was a child in crisis because of what his thoughts were, he hadn't tried to do anything and therefore he wasn't at immediate risk. But we were um, advised to just watch him very carefully in the home um, and to, to, to really try and, and use some of the, the support services around us, such as Propias, Young Minds, um, to, to sort of help guide us. Um, but he was just deteriorating day by day and it got to the point where we just didn't know what to do anymore because nobody was willing to help us. No one was willing to help him. You know, 10 and a half is just no age. And that was that was really difficult trying to find help and nobody wanting to give it to us. So that's when it I turned to talk talk for help. And how did that materialize? Um, I'd been thinking about it for a while, um, but I thought that there was just no way it could happen um, in terms of getting laid on our private health care. I'd spoken to a few private clinics to find out how much it would cost to get him assessed as, as, as an urgent case. And we were quoted three to five K and still a really long waiting list because pandemic, a lot of children have been affected by it. And so they were just overwhelmed. Um, so I reached out to, to Kerry in our rewards team and just I just laid it out to her and I was, I really just almost begged for help because I, I just needed it and I just needed him on my private healthcare and I couldn't wait. I, I couldn't wait until the benefit window opened and I knew that it, I thought it was unlikely that it was going to be granted, but I thought I have to try everything at this point because he's my son. Um, unfortunately, Kerry was just amazing. And was able to help. She was our lifeline. She really was. So let's move into more positive territory. And what then happened? What was the what was the what was the start of the the journey to, if you want, enlightenment and more more knowledge and a diagnosis? At the time, I'm already part of the neurodiversity network, and um, we have regular coffee mornings. And the the the, the guys on the network, um, you know, they were really supportive. I w they were going with me on the journey, the mental health. Um, there'd been a few times that f a few of the the members had said it sounds very very much like ASC, autism spectrum condition. Um, it sounds exactly like the journey that I went on. Um, you know, they really really urged me to, to to push for a referral to see um to see a specialist and to go privately um so when when i asked kerry and she said yeah let me look into it i'll see what i can do she managed to get the process change um she gave me a window of opportunity to to add late into the private healthcare she then needed to contact Aviva because it could take weeks for their systems to be updated. Um, so she contacted them and really pushed for them to update everything as sooner so we can get the membership ID. And it was as soon as I got that, I was straight on the phone to Aviva um, via the mental health pathway to try and get an appointment for him. And you saw someone? Yeah, so they they gave us a, a website to go to to find registered ch um, child um, psychologists within within an area located one in Warrington that I knew I could easily get to. I contacted him and everything seemed to align at that point. He had a cancellation in his diary. He could see us within a matter of a week. It's great that you that you were seen so quickly, but rather depressing that that person was there sitting a few miles from your house all this time. Yeah. And it shouldn't get to the point where we'd got to, to get him the help that he needed. 
And I think everything from this point, everything just started to fall into place. So we got the cancellation. You know, he was seen, he asked us why we were there. We explained about his mental health. He had a 45 minute chat with Leighton and I was just, I wasn't in the room. Leighton wanted his privacy, which I gave, I gave him that, that, that privacy. Um, and I didn't know what to expect. So when we were called into the room and he said, I can absolutely help Leighton. I can absolutely do a great treatment plan, but I think I know the root cause of all of these mental health challenges. And at that point we said, this is the first time anybody's mentioned root cause. It was just agreed that he had anxiety and mental health problems. What is the root cause? And when he said, I think autism spectrum condition, it was just like, oh my goodness. This has been going on since he was three. We thought this, he's, he's now 11. <laughs> and at first I, I, I was, at first I was taken aback and I thought, I can't do this again. This will be, this will be the third time of potentially being assessed and being told, no, it's not. And so I was really hesitant um, at first, but I just put my faith in the child psychologist um, and there it was, full diagnosis. Clearly you're very relieved. Um, how is how's he reacting to somebody understanding him and telling him, I know why you feel as you feel? So we were in the car going back home and he said, is that why I am abnormal? And I said, no, baby, you are not abnormal. You are gifted. You are gifted. And now we know why you are as amazing as you are. And we know that and then we told him about scientists that were believed to be on the spectrum, Albert Einstein, Isaac Newton. Um, he's such a little scientist. And he was just amazed that there was there were other people that were just like him. Brilliant. Um, there's clearly learnings and advice that you can give from this because no one should go through that for eight years. Um, so what's your advice to a parent who's got a young kid and is asking questions? fight. The amount of times that I went into the school and, and said, he is not okay. There is something not quite right. Um, I know my child, I shouldn't have to video meltdowns. I shouldn't have to video him whilst he's having a traumatic episode to show to a teacher to say, this is what he's like at home over something so small. I shouldn't have to do that, but I, but I did. And for anyone that's got a child that is seemingly okay in school but he's a very different character at home when you've got school saying he's fine here you listen to your own gut you know your own child and I'm just really fortunate that I was able to do this and that I was able to get the support from talk talk even personally even just me needing support as, as a human being and you know saying to my people lead I'm struggling I'm mentally struggling this is a lot um, and just having someone say it's okay let's have a look at your diary let's see what we can move out let's see what you just need to focus on let's get through each day because everybody needs help and it's not a sign of weakness to ask for it That's all for today. If you like the podcast, please subscribe in your podcast app. And if you have time, give us a review. If you have a suggestion or question, get in touch on Twitter at TalkTalk Group. You can follow us there or also on LinkedIn. Thanks a lot for listening.